You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Wow, wow, wow. Finally, we are recording after hey, many don't attempts. Be <laughs> I am Frank Gill. Welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. Uh, down in his media booth, uh, Jeff Simpson. Live from the sound booth at yeah. church. Uh, down in Sumter, South Carolina, not Baptist anymore. We got Delmar oh. Pete. Hello, hello. And together in the morning after ministry studios, Andrew Larson. Greetings and salutation. And Timothy Miller. Hello, world. Guys, I'm. We've been chatting for like an hour. <laughs> Dude, we, we, I had to switch rooms. Go through the process of downloading Chrome onto a different computer. <laughs> oh no! Get a verification code from Google on my phone. Bring a microphone, set it all up. That's how committed I am to this. Wow. Technology is well, so convenient. I'm glad so you're convenient. here. Well, hey, uh, I want to dive into it. Uh, Tim, you posted on, or no, your church posted. I think you may have shared it that Lakeview Church is now. They just brought back the greeting. So Tim's church posted it, meaning his wife posted it, right? I I actually shared the post this time. Here's what happened. The countdown was going on. Sam Rudkin, one of our elders who does our announcements, I overheard him talking to someone else. And they're like, yeah, we used to do that. And I was like, oh, yeah, what's that? He's like, what am I about to do? I was like, what do you have to do? He said, I'm about to <laughs> oh, no. ask the church to, uh, to, you know, to greet each other, to shake their hands, introduce. And I was like, okay, Panic. here we go. So I, I was, I didn't know what was about to happen. I was kind of excited about it. And it was one of those things that we went for it. And now everybody has COVID. <laughs> no, I have not heard that. I have You're not a heard super that, spreader. I, Lakeview Church, I, super spreader. Bro, people like of the really gospel. responded well. It was bizarre. Yeah. Thank you, Dell. Thank Monkey you, Dell. Monkeypox everywhere at Lakeview There were people Church. with masks on shaking hands, which I'm not going to lie, I found funny but oh, i no. saw a guy barefoot at walmart at like 11 o'clock last night he was barefoot <laughs> at walmart double masked hold up he there are people in florida on, masked right now yeah at walmart which the makes bare, sense because it's walmart but one. he was double masked but barefoot <laughs> okay look we haven't done the traditional greeting since pre-covid it, it worked on sunday i i think it's going to be back at lakeview for the foreseeable future most of the uh, comments online were very, very positive. In fact, all of them were very positive. Even got a few. Were you were you internally like, back. dang it, they liked it? <laughs> a part of me was just, I have no idea. I, it, I was so thrown off because we had all kinds of tech issues yesterday. Per presenter was just giving us fits and not wanting to talk to the live stream. So I did a reboot mid countdown, which I do not like. Oh, doing. I love those. Fired it back up and then dragged the you know the bar over to match where the countdown was before the reboot. So I was all already out of sorts by the time we even got to announcements. It was just one of those Sundays. Now, are you, either, so you guys are far away. For the past month or so, I'm like, oh, man, is this the week that we're going to bring it back? And now I've got to wait a few weeks because I can't do it next week. You can. Because yeah. Tim did it last. You can say I heard Lakeview brought something back, so we can too. Like, you can just wear Lakeview's T-shirt again and just say you're just doing that. Welcome to Lakeview right. Church South. So are you guys not doing any sort of greeting time or what, what does that look like for you guys? Well, you know, I, I'm just really, I'm still hung up on, it's really cool. Y'all guys still have people masked. I think if you were to look at the, the United States, it'd be like masked up top. And then like South Carolina, North Carolina, at least where we are, there's, I didn't see one mask in church yesterday. And then you go back down to Florida and it's masked again. 
It's very interesting. But so we greet. We never wild never... oversimplification, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's mass generalization <laughs> oversimplification. Mask on. Do you have any at Safety Harbor with a mask on anymore? We didn't yesterday. Yeah, we don't. We don't. But we we have we typically have people that sit outside still. Yeah. But we it was raining yesterday, so no one sat outside, which means they brought their dogs inside, which oh. is awesome. Speaking of um, resetting pro presenter, I was at a funeral yesterday. It was a really, really sad one, horrible circumstances. And the TV behind the pastor glitched and it had the person's name up and it went back to their Sunday morning announcements. And it's like, hello, we are so glad you're here. Please check out our website. If you can. Yeah, dude, it was so bad. It was so like, I was awkward, man. Our greeting time. You guys know we do the communion after the service, after the live stream thing. That's during the, that's the greeting time. So mm. we take about seven minutes. So it's cool. kind of longer like than that. it would have been normally. But yeah. we've been doing that for, uh, I don't know, a year and a half or something. We had, you we know had what's to funny? cut the greeting time off because people didn't want to stop. So it was just the worship leaders just like, all right, I guess we'll just start singing again because you guys don't want to mm-hmm. stop talking to each other. So it was actually really cool. <laughs> we had, I was putting up, I don't know, remember if I told the story or not, but I was putting up a sign outside the church that said like Sunday morning, gather, like a new, just a new Sunday worship sign. And a lady walking by on a sidewalk was like, are you guys meeting inside? And this was like last week. Oh, and wow. I was like, uh, yeah, we've been meeting inside for like like a year and a half. And it was just like so funny to me that somebody was still asking that question. Well, my church still has the spirit of fear. So we have not uh, done any sort of greetings. Um, and everyone's, we're, for, we're, we're handing out masks when they walk in. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm not kidding about the, the not greeting. We used to do greetings and we're thinking, we're, we, we want to bring it back. This goes back to, remember that, um, that uh, Tim Keller episode on uh, the rise and fall where he talks about bureaucracy makes things slower, but it gives you accountability. That's what's happening right here. It's like there's a lot of people who want to bring back the the greeting, but the bureaucracy of getting that done is kind of the, the drama of where we're in right now. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I was I, I'm all about it. It was cool seeing Tim at your church do it. Um, Wait, so Frank, so, if you had an elder stand up and just do it, what 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 would be like the repercussions? Would would he be like face like? Oh, he wouldn't face any repercussions. Discipline promise. Okay. No, no. In fact, going rogue like that is probably the fastest way to expedite this process of getting things going. Uh-huh. But the question, what was that? <laughs> Excuse Andrew, me. That's my phone. He's addicted to his phone. He's trying to show like music. I was showing Tim a video and then when I opened my phone back up, Instagram. He's the guy Dude, in church are, who doesn't realize that his Bible weeks. always plays when he opens the Bible app. And so it starts reading Andrew, out loud this to is him two- every time. Dude, I want to defend you, but this is two weeks in a row you pulled an old man thing. The wire in the front, the phone that just comes off. Oh, man. Andrew Come is, on, seven, dude. is 70. Hey, going back, to the, going back to the pro presenter uh, reset in the middle of a countdown thing, do any of you guys have somebody in the tech booth or have you experienced this before? I like to call them the experimenter. They get in a tech booth. And they just do random things that you're like, why are we doing this right now? Let's not. Why are we trying a new setting? Stop it. Just no run it. Frank. Just, yeah. Please I'm just here run for it. An hour and a half a week. So why wouldn't I do it right now? I'm not here any other time. Oh, hey, the live, stream, the live stream went out today and I was like, well, what happened? Well, I went into the IP settings to see if I can make it a little faster. And then the live stream just failed. Oh, no. what? But why, though? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, uh, that when when you when Dell was talking about the power the pro presenter failing, um, our one of our campuses 
they um like when you turn on the projector it defaults to it defaults to um apple tv and i love when people first turn it on and like uh-huh. it's like all the tv shows and movies that are out right now and i'm like oh let's watch severance at church and it's like what are like these like crazy radar movies and tv shows uh, in a sudden it's just it's just it's just a funny juxtaposition of like Andrew, don't you have a story things. about that with some well, like say, an older we, ladies we, gathering we, we, yeah, we when uh the Samsung TV goes to the Samsung free movies channel and it was uh Jawbreakers with Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sigourney Weaver was undressing in front of Ray Liotta. Oh no. It was great. It was, R. I. P. Ray. Yeah, rest in peace. I I thought of him uh watching the Field of Dreams game. Yep. But it was yeah, so when you've got the smart TV that has the the built-in streaming channels that just default, you know, it doesn't default to a static yeah. screen anymore. It, you know, they don't want they don't ever want to show static. They want to show something. So yeah. we, we've been dealing with that. We have um, a nursery set up, and instead of like having a cable run to the nursery, we stream the service in, but so it's on a fire stick on Facebook Live. And as soon as we said amen, the, the ninth grade girl that's running our live stream, which is awesome. We have a teenager that shows up every week and is a participant in the service. But she hit end broadcast like as soon as I said amen. And so it cut off the church broadcast. And the next thing Auto up played. in the queue yep. was like um, a, a guy videoing himself playing Call of Duty and just cursing at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I so, tell our live stream guys, like, leave the stream running for like 10 minutes with like a loop just like before the service. What? Well, what's yeah. the hurry? That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Because um, they want to get things shut down. They do. All right. So they can and, leave and make the Call of Duty guy curse at the babies. <laughs> <laughs> Delmar. Um, OK, yeah. so uh, you are on like a month sabbatical right now as you're getting Dude. ready to start your new church. You're no longer Southern Baptist. You're at a it's a non-denominational or just yeah, it, it's Indie independent funny? fundamental. Yeah. Dang it. My no, yeah. Independent <laughs> fundamental mom, but no, um, but uh, you, um, you preached at the church, right? So yeah. uh, how, how was it? How was it not being a campus pastor for the first time in a couple of years? Y'all, it was a different experience because it's, it's wild. This new church, it's not Southern Baptist, you know, officially it's actually more Southern Baptist than where I just came from in its practicality, like how it does its ecclesiology. It was wild because I've been a Southern Baptist since I've been born. Well, you know, you can't be born into the Southern Baptist like you can the Presbyterian, but you know what I mean. And I'm 36 years. So, uh, but going there was, it was surreal. Huh? Shots fired at the Presbyterian. (laughs) That was a weird dig. Hey, hey, I went to Presbyterian. Everybody knows I got my good theology at a Presbyterian church in high school. The entire paragraph that Dumar just said. Yeah. had like five su- like subtweets in it. Like for real, it's more about this than my last church. I wasn't born like them baby dunkers. Like he's just oh like, fellas, fellas, railroading me. All right, no, with no. Little, but seriously, with a little less ser- slander, tell us how Sunday went. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Okay. Well, unlike the other guys on this podcast who don't know how to take a joke. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But seriously, though, in some ways, it really is like it's uh the pastor is a 1689 confessional. He's a friend of mine. So it really is actually structured in in a very traditional way in that sense. Uh, But it was cool because not being a campus pastor, I I went up there, I preached on the stage, which was kind of, you know, surreal for your first week at a church preaching on the stage. I'm the family ministries pastor, but but we're actually going to have a preaching team at this church. So I'll be an elder and I'll be on the preaching team at the church. 
And it was cool because uh, there was a good bit of familiar faces that were there as well. So a lot of times if you've ever done a, you know, new church type situation, you don't really recognize anyone there, but it was, it was neat to have people there who, you know, so that, that helped break the ice. But I'll tell you what was, was really neat is just, um, I think everybody got to see the fact that the pastor and I are really good friends. Pastor Dan, who actually came to the conference last year, uh, we're really good friends. And I think that it was a, it was a good thing all the way around. So uh, well attended, which I know school's starting back. So that probably had a lot to do with that as well. No, I think it was you, but, bud. Yeah, well, I don't know. no. So, but I think that <laughs> it was, it was, it was a really cool experience. I have not come to a new full church in almost eight years. My first church, I was there for a little over seven as well. So we hope this is a long haul situation. It's it's six minutes from the house, fellas. So if y'all ever been wow. in a church that's close to your house, it's like without having to you be can in a go parsonage. Home for lunch. I mean, for you, real. For awesome. real. So yeah, man, it, it was really good. And I think, you know, man, one day we talked about how we'll kind of show how all this lined up. But when I resigned from my last church, that when the day I resigned, I got a call from this church. It was it was literally like I needed to take this faith step. And then God was immediately showing me the next thing. So uh, I know you guys said I have, what, six months to figure something out. So, you know, I, I figured, well, I needed to jump on that. So I have uh, lived seven minutes from my church before. And I never How was that? Went, I never once went home for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I mean, Jeff, if I was in Jeff's situation, that would be maybe the only time I would go home for lunch. When I can just walk across the parking lot. That would be. I have an uh, industrial kitchen twenty feet from where I'm sitting right now, and I go out to eat every day. <laughs> so I, I have I have two full refrigerators that I could store whatever I wanted, and four ovens and an, and an eight burner stove, and yet I. Uh, go out to lunch every day <laughs> hold up so like whenever y'all have like potluck and there's leftovers do any of y'all are like that's lunch tomorrow in the fridge at church oh, nobody that's, pre- that's pre-lunch that's pre-lunch yeah <laughs> pre-lunch. part of my problem is i have uh latino heritage so i don't like leftovers or cold food Me really too. it's am i, it's, it am I right or am i right I never thought it was a Latino thing, but you're right. I hate leftovers. I hate leftovers, and I'm not eating a sandwich unless it's a hot Cuban sandwich maybe once in a while. Uh, As discussed, I have Southern Baptist heritage. You have to have leftovers. Yeah. 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 I have Southern Baptist heritage, so we just eat, and that's kind of of how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, uh, Delmar, I'm glad that you got to preach, and uh, it it, it looked awesome. Well, hey – I want to dive into uh, some discussion stuff, but before we do that, let's talk about the conference again. Guys, the Predley Pastoring Conference, Ooh. it's so fun. We just announced this over the week, last week. Um, we're looking for for sponsors. We have some sponsorship opportunities. If you're interested in that, reach out to one of us. Uh, we got some sponsorship packages available for the conference. If you are a, uh, a, a if you know someone who works at a seminary or a, or a college of some sort, or a publisher, or any other ministry that loves and cares for pastors, uh, we're looking for. Or just t- has money, like oh, whether yeah. or not you love and care for pastors. Like if Elon, yeah. if you're yeah. listening, buddy, I, I mean, mean I we're think, not going to condone think, everything you do, but we'll each take a Tesla and we'll say all kinds of yeah. good things about uh, not environmentalism. What do we call it now? Climate justice, right? We can go there <laughs> if if you want to sponsor. I like that, we we are down. 
<laughs> well, and f- full disclosure for transparency, while we were on this po- podcast pre-show, Tim was on the phone with Paul David Tripp Ministries. He was on the phone with... Now, granted, they didn't answer. We couldn't actually speak to a real person, and we got a voicemail two times. But we know someone at Paul David Tripp's Ministries heard Tim's very professional voicemail, and they might call us back. This must have been while I was resetting my entire technology for my a whole life. This is when when Jeff's computer isn't working. We call famous pastors. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. and I and I and I can guarantee a hundred percent because I've read the stuff on Twitter. We will not be platforming Mark Driscoll for any reason at our conference to interview Unless, him. Mark, if you're speech. listening and you want to come, <laughs> we can... <laughs> you're saying you'd say no if Mark if Mark reached out and wanted to, to come to practice? We, we, we'd, we'd find a way, Mark man. Come. Mark can come as an attendee. Um, but, uh, and, 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 uh, and yeah, Mark, if you're He's going to be that it, attendee that we mention every main session. <laughs> sure. If you come, who's the other guy? I think that Andrew said um, he has his number. Um, Goff, what's his? Perry Noble. Oh, no. Bob Goff is. Yeah, Bob Goff. We, we all have his I think, number. I think we have. Uh, well, you weren't Love supposed does, to give man. that away, but we all have yeah, yeah. his number as well. We might yeah, call yeah. it too. Yeah. Well, you know, if Mark comes. Mark, if you're listening, uh, I got a discount code for you if you would like to show up. But, um, but hey, uh, the Prentley Pestering Conference, February 20th to the 22nd in. Uh, Tarpon Springs, Florida, just outside of Tampa, at beautiful Lakeview Church. Uh, hey, Tim, Lakeview Church. Yeah. We're, we're in the middle of a, of a Reno project right now. It just so happens to be the same space that we will be utilizing for the Practically Pastoring Conference. I promise it's it's going to be beautified. You will enjoy it. It'll be homey, and it's going to be a, a sight you're not going to want to miss. Got a couple of other surprises I can't even tell you guys about you yet. Keeping the, hey, you keeping the leather couches, though, or getting new ones or something? The the leather couch may or may not stay. The, the design team is still debating that, but there are some some Put your property foot down. We enhancements need that, couch. <laughs> that I'm working on that I was going to surprise you guys with. I should know more within about three weeks if we can pull this thing off within six months. But it would be a ton of fun to utilize at the conference yeah. too. I'm going to leave it at that. Is it cooler than shark fishing though? Way cooler. <laughs> well, and it'll be on campus. Oh nice. wow! Nice. Based on last year, that'd be it's a pretty low bar. Well, <laughs> don't have to go that. Far. <laughs> Well, uh, Prentley Pastoring Conference, go to PrentleyPastoringConference.com. We hope to see you there. All right, guys. Hopefully we don't get any cease and desist letters after those rants. Yeah, for real. For real. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, hey, this first uh, article I saw from Christianity Today came out recently. Uh, younger pastors more likely to say they struggle with mental illness. And so in this research, in from LifeWay Research, they studied that uh, a majority of pastors, 54% of them, say that the churches where they have served on staff, they have at least known one church member who was diagnosed with a severe mental illness, such as depression, bipolar, and schizophrenia. That stat blows me away, that it's just one person, and it's that low. That blo- kind Yeah, of, I, th- I think 54% is really low. That's a crazy like low stat for me. But then it talks, goes on further that says... Um, uh, uh, 18% say one to two, one or two, and another 18% say three to five 
uh, have experienced some sort of mental illness. Fewer pastors say they've known 6 to 10, 11 to 20. They, 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 the, the percentages of people who know people in their church that are diagnosed with severe mental illness is low. And then it goes on to talk about uh, pastors themselves who struggle with mental illness. And so ultimately, this research shows that the younger the pastor, the more likely they have interacted with someone who in their congregation that has had mental illness or they would say they've denied, you know, they've had their own diagnosis of some sort of mental illness. So I guess my question to you guys, as we read this, as we have this discussion, why do you think mental illness is, seems more common? The discussion of mental illness seems more common amongst younger pastors. I think it's less stigmatized well, among younger pastors. Well, yeah. You know, that, the, and I mean, mental, go ahead. No, you go. I think we're, we're kind of saying the same thing. Yeah, I think so. You know, even if you look at the trends in young people over the last couple decades, like teenagers, it has been trending towards anxiety, depression, mental illness. So Mm -hmm. as these generations grow up and become pastors, like those issues are not going to just vanish. And I think it's a culmination, right? Because older pastors, at least ones that I know, they're less likely to walk into a doctor and say, I'm feeling bad. Can you tell me? You know what I'm saying? Like they're more of bootstraps, just move on through it i mean you hear about like spurgeon and it would appear that he struggled with some stuff but like he never had a formal diagnosis but then you know younger people a lot of them grew up in the therapist office you know for better or for worse so i think there may be a little bit more transparency about this issue and even but to what andrew said though it's, it's been stigmatized as well i mean there are pockets of people who these certain groups of people have more anxiety in general. I think they talked about people who have certain social media trends have higher anxiety. And now let's be honest, what, how much pressure do a lot of pastors feel to have social media things? I mean, just this week, us guys, we were talking in our little text message about how some pastors are putting out content literally just to make content when it's like, why are you doing this? It has nothing to do with anything, but there is this innate, Thing that we have to contribute to the content of the world. And I think that that does contribute to it. The, the slight difference that what I was going for there is that the pastors, you know, if you are a younger pastor and for being that I'm about to, to turn 40, let's say if you're under 40, you have grown up in school um, in your, your coursework saying, you know, Hey, you know, this person's pretty, look at what we did in the Olympics last summer with Simone Biles. We're like, Hey, it is, it is okay to not be okay. Is kind of a, I don't want to say a trend, but it, it's kind of where we are as a society that we are willing to admit when someone needs help, when that wasn't necessarily the case for former generations. And on top of that, the bad side of that, I think it's a good thing to admit that not everybody is okay all the time and people have certain struggles. Um, we've also kind of grown up knowing that that excuse is out there. If we want, yeah, dude. if we need, if, if we need to play that card, we have a card that we can play that ain't nobody can say anything about. So I think mm-hmm. there's a lot more pastors who, you know, it comes to the number for pastors themselves who are aware of, they're, they have the self-awareness to know where their mental state is right now. They have the empathy to know where the people in their congregation are because if someone's acting a little bit weird, they can have the tool set to say, hey, this person might not be all well right now instead of, well, that's just Bob. He's crazy. So I think it's a very good thing. But at the same time, we also 
do not have the bootstrap mentality that former generations had. And can we just state some obvious, like sometimes like we mistake like our guilt with depression. We, and if you're like in sin, like that's going to translate a certain way, or sometimes you're in a work environment that is not healthy and that contributes to it. So I think a lot of us, and I've, I've been guilty, like we just want to live with it, but there are steps we can take toward health that I think that we don't because of exactly what you just said, Andrew, I got more clout by staying in it. And, and there God, he wants you to, I mean, he, he, that's not good for you to be sick, you know? So if, if that's where you're at, if there's something you can do, some shifts you can make some changes, your mental health is more important than your paycheck. I just, uh, I just finished a book for school, uh, crazy busy by Kevin DeYoung. And yeah. it's very, it's very similar. It's it's similar in terms of its tone as uh, ruthless elimination of hurry. But one thing I feel like Kevin the Young book is like almost targeted more for pastors than the other book. That's more for just like everyone else. And um, and one thing he said that kind of struck me is he was quoting Don Carson on why people do- have doubts in God and doubts in their faith. And one of Don Carson's um, reasons is lack of sleep. And, he, and so he ties like your your physical health ties to your emotional health, and sometimes we don't necessarily connect those dots all together. So kind of what you're saying, Dal, is like sometimes your depression or your anxiety comes from bad habits, like sleeping habits, health habits, and that ultimately is going to lead to spiritual and mental health issues. And um, and I, I would argue in the church if. if if we're if I, if I could take away that argument that just younger people are have more vocabulary for mental health than older people, the one thing I would say is that younger people probably have worse habits than older people when it comes yeah. to pastoring. Does that make sense? Worse disciplines. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Like, like, like I kind of respect like the older like fifty, sixty, seven year old pastors who are like. I will not take that meeting and I will show up when I show up. Like you could say that could also be a bad precedent, but like they have boundaries that they've created over 20. That sounds years a lot like ministry. Tim. I'm an old minister. I'm an old soul minister. <laughs> no, Andrew, I know I said we were recording a podcast together today, but it's my daughter's oh. birthday and she wants to go to Barnes and Noble. I have done that. Uh, <laughs> or I'm Noble. on vacation. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think this like, you know, your, your physical health, as a younger person, just like, it's fine. I could sleep tomorrow. <laughs> like we do that kind of stuff. And then we don't realize that that's actually playing into our mental health. And to, to, to your point, Dell, it's like, I think there's, there are like things that we categorize as depression or anxiety, which are just actually just stress, like normal stress from work. Or I don't know. I don't, I, I think scripture kind of tells us that like, there are times where we're just going to be sad. And I think that like there needs to be a place for that where it's not true clinical depression. And I want to make sure that I clarify, I'm not one of those people that doesn't believe in mental health and, and like you shouldn't. I'm, I'm like the, one of the biggest advocates for therapy. And actually my church provides therapy for staff members if they need it at no cost. But like one thing that I want to be careful is with the with the we, we kind of treat mental health like people treat WebMD, right? Like whenever I have like a headache, I go on WebMD and now I have cancer. So it's like, it's like whenever I'm feeling sad, I look at the vocabulary words for mental health and I'm depressed when it's like, I don't know if that's the right thing. And this is a touching nuanced thing. This is why I think there's value and importance to therapy in any situation. But 
I do think that like for pastors especially, and this is kind of a big reason why I want people to come to the Project Pastoring Conference, is that we need to be able to have these conversations more so we so less pastors burn out. And that like if we can all be like Tim and just go to Barnes and Nobles with our daughter as opposed to doing dumb podcasts, then we actually might be healthier because of it. So I think, can I make I think an aside of, on I didn't mean this to cut you off, Jeff. Go for it. I'll make one one aside. I think it's also a healthy practice pastors when you're when you're thinking and talking to your congregants be very very hesitant before you go ahead and start self-diagnosing your flock or the or or co-workers you know i mean i've sat in meetings before where people have been said this person's a narcissist and this person has multiple personalities and all i've seen that do is affect the way that person's been treated because at the end of the day, I don't have the authority or the right to proclaim some kind of mental diagnosis on any of my people in my flock. And what it really does is it creates a stigma. And I think because like what you guys were saying, that language is so readily accessible today that we tend to like lump people in those categories and maybe not even realize we're doing it. Yeah, I was going to say. I thought was, oh, sorry, Jeff. We sh- we really need to like, think of like a finger. We, we need we yeah, need a, if uh, only uh, this uh, software had like a little hand we could raise. That'd be great. My, I can't um, reach my. Com- there's two of us here. My computer's far away. Well, and I don't want to even breathe on my computer after getting started here. Um, yeah, what I was going to say is I, I one of the cautions I have kind of learned over the years is not to kind of do the same thing in the other direction that I accuse older pastors of doing. So what I like the stereotype is that older pastors everything is like some sin issue or it's a spiritual thing and mental health is like, Oh, that's that, that new world stuff. That's like wishy washy, you know, whatever. It's all just, it's all just to make you feel good, blah, blah, blah. But my, and they kind of scorn the idea of, you know, there's legitimate mental health issues. Like there are legitimate physical health issues and the two are connected and we're a whole person. I have found that it's my tendency to sort of go the other direction a little bit too far and um, not take into account that, yes, some things are spiritual issues and there are spiritual issues and stronghold stuff that people get caught in that they can't get out of the scripture speaks to it. So, you know, my caution is not to go so far the other way that we make everything clinical and everything is just because all we're doing is falling into the the ways of the world for our generation in the way that that stereotypical, it's all just spiritual was falling into the ways of the world in his generation. And, you know, I just think that's a, it's a healthy thing to, to be cautious of. You just made one of the best cases of why going to counseling is a good thing for pastors. I mean, myself, I have gone and they're really good at helping us see, Hey, is this, a sin issue, or is this something else? It is so good to have an outside professional opinion, especially if you really find yourself in something. The quote from this article that jumped out when I was reading it was 26% of U.S. Protestant pastors say they have personally struggled with some type of mental illness, including 17% who say it was diagnosed and 9% who say they experienced it but were never diagnosed. That's a crazy thing that's crazy sad to me because one third of all people of all clergy members that say hey i've struggled with this have no idea if they're actually struggling with it or not so talk to a counselor my goodness if you are part of a dominant of a denomination your denomination is going to cover you talking to a counselor if you think maybe you've got something going on you should know 
whether or not you've got something going on so that you can know, hey, is, the, is this the, the leading of the Holy Spirit? Is this my conscience or is this something else going on that I should be aware of? But that stat just blew me away that a good third of pastors who claim to have gone through mental health issues have no idea if they actually have or not. I think it's also interesting that when I when I talked to my dad about this kind of stuff, who was he was an older pastor, he said, Tim, look, when I was your age, I didn't talk to other pastors, let alone do podcasts or invite churches to come to our church and do these types of things. So I think it does speak to our generation to an extent ability to, hey, say we, we need to do this together, not alone. So I think that could be part of why there there are some who refuse to talk about this and have no desire to and whether there are others who I think we fall in this camp who we, we want to be able to have this conversation. Um, it's one of the reasons why we're inviting certain people to the practically pastoring conference to be able to open the door to this type of conversation. If you have no one else to talk to. I think that's why Troy Bolton said it best when he said, we're all in this together. Mm. Mm. So good. So good. Well, Hey, uh, I want to, I want to, uh, switch directions here. Uh, and I want to talk about, uh, small groups, and Bible studies and things like that for a second. Um, I found this article on the Christian Standard website, and from it, 1998, <laughs> I know it's kind of old. <laughs> <laughs> it is over a decade old, but uh, but uh, uh, this article is very much just like an attack on why he feels like small groups are literally a waste of time in the church, and, and, and it's interesting um, because there are like churches that are like small groups is the only thing you should have cut Sunday school, cut Bible studies. You should only have small groups. And then you have other churches that are like, Oh, I mean, well like this, it's like, he thinks small groups are like a pariah. Like it's the, it's the downfall of the church in some, in some ways. And so it's an interesting discussion. And, uh, and Jeff, you brought up a question to us question about small groups and, and Bible studies in, in the church. Oh, can, can you share your question? And, and I want to talk about it and see what, the, what everyone else thinks. Well, I would say, uh, you know, over the last probably six months, uh, my, you know, my church is in this redevelopment status. And over the last six months, I have coming out of kind of really coming out of COVID finally, um, before COVID, we we were we were making a switch from kind of a program driven model to missional communities, and that's a whole conversation. They're not small groups, they're not Bible studies, they're kind of something different, um, but they do have a lot of familiarity because to, to a lot of church people because it is a small smaller group of people getting together about once a week for at least part of the time that you're doing it. So we were going along, and then COVID hit, and then coming out of COVID. You know, I've been thinking and praying and journaling and stuff for the last six months or so about what's going to be that discipleship piece. That's the non-Sunday kind of when I think about the rhythm of the average layperson who's really engaged, what's going to be that that other piece of their discipleship? Is it going to be classes? Is it going to be missional communities? Is it going to be more typical small groups? Is it going to be like a Bible study? What's it going to be? Is it going to be affinity based? Is it going to be geography based? Those are the questions I've been thinking through, talking with people about, and that I've just been, you know, personally just praying through. Um, one of the things I think is really important to even talk about this is to really nail down as pastors and elders, what do we mean when we say the word disciple? How do we make disciples? And then from there, that helps you make that decision. But my my one of the goals I have in this is not to 
go back to being overly busy. Uh, you know, COVID was a nice, in a way, it was a nice um, hard stop on busyness for a while. And what I'm noticing in my community now is that there is a temptation to just absolutely fill the calendar up to the brim with things that are fine. But, you know, I've said no to people starting Bible studies more in the last couple couple months than uh, than in a lot of other time in my church ministry. And it's it's because it's what I see is it's just a desire to just kind of do Christian busy work. And I'm kind of like working against that. And so I'm trying to figure out if I'm cynical and if I'm do, is that a good thing or, um, you know, is my heart, I think it's in the right place. I really want people to have space. I mean, I read uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry a couple of years ago or whenever it first came out. And I've been kind of on that, you know, that, I don't know, journey of really trying to pay attention to my, you know, my, my time and my space. I think I mentioned it last week. Another pastor that I follow said he was cutting his uh, reading time that he allots for himself by 50% and the other 50% he was going to uh, give to just silence and solitude. And uh, I thought that was a really, really good move. Um, so, you know, this article about small groups, I actually agree with a lot of the stuff in the article, other than the tone is, seems pretty like <laughs> frustrated. And, you know, it's, it's just what I get is whoever the author is, was realizing that small groups weren't working for him. And I think it finally it felt good to him to meet somebody else who agreed with him. And I totally relate to that um, because it does feel like sometimes there's just a certain way you're supposed to do it. And it just doesn't that doesn't work for me and for my community. And so um, I, I relate to the article. But, yeah, my question was more, how do you guys deal with deciding, you know, what are we going to do? Is it going to be a, a Bible study? Is it going to be a small group? How do you decide who gets to lead those? What do you do with someone who comes to you and says, hey, I've got this group of people who I want to do a Bible study for on this night of the week? Uh, or what do you do if you find out one has just started? And I'm talking in a smaller church context. You know, I, I it's like I'm trying to find the place between being overly controlling and also guarding the doctrine of the church and the teaching of the church as well. So that's kind of... That's where I'm at, I'm, and I'm just you know wondering what the discussion would be on that. Where you're at is kind of where I arrived as well, because I'm sure a lot of us have seen small groups done on both ends of the spectrum, where you can be so far controlling that you try to force people to do something that that's not even going to disciple that group, because each group has its own personality. But then I've seen other churches where like, hey, listen, whatever you're into, start a group around it. Start, start a Dungeons and Dragons small group, which is something that I've seen. Or I've also seen my brother, uh, a big church in our area, asked him to come to a video shoot to promote small groups. And they had one Tim would really love. It was a small group that was like a workout group, like they met in the gym. But my brother showed up and he videoed the small group and it was them literally standing over each other, cursing at each other to raise the bar, you know, and like and like yelling at each other. And then at the end, they got together and prayed. And that was it. One prayer. And that constituted in this church as a small group. Whereas my brother, he couldn't even use the audio from them working out because of the profanity. So there is some kind of margin in between. So it is a lot like and Tim. 
Well, not that part, but just like, oh, I don't know. I've never worked out with Tim. So, I mean, maybe. But the point being, I think that there needs to be some kind of standard. And, and what I see that standard being is what is the goal of small group in your church? right? If the goal of small group in my church is to disciple people and see them connect the gospel with their life, well, whatever they come and they want to start a a life group or small group or connect group around, how does it accomplish that goal? And if it's accomplishing that goal, well, then they have the margin beyond that to contextualize it to their group. That's as far as what's being taught in the group. As far as who teaches the group, I think that's a place where I'd really love to lean in and hear you guys. How do you vet your leaders and everything. There was a ministry at a church I was at for, for women and it was called a uh, grow spiritually shrink physically. It was a, it was a workout and Bible study group. And I couldn't say the name without laughing because it was like, I, I, one of them named it and they thought, Oh, this is great. I'm like, thank goodness you named it. Cause could you imagine if I named the group that, that Dude, every time awful. they asked me to an, promote or announce that I would feel like it's a trap. <laughs> like, yeah. mm, just to get me yeah, I'm, to say I'm it. not I'm not gonna say the name of that group but I think you know when it comes to what groups are offered um a, a lot of the times the question is is for me is um do I have to lead it because yeah. I have one teaching style and I have one skill set that is very different from a lot of other leaders in our church and a lot of the other elders and, and the people that should be facilitating certain things and so if someone is saying hey can we do this group one of my first questions is, who do you have in mind to lead it? Because there's only so much that can go on my plate and there's only so much that should go on my plate. So if you want to start a ministry, you better have an idea for who can be facilitating that ministry. And if there's nobody in our church that can be facilitating that ministry, then I don't think we need to be having that type of ministry in our church. Yeah, we have two main um, on-ramps to discipleship at Lakeview, and it is home groups and Bible studies. Most of it starts within the home group system, and sometimes Bible studies will launch out of those home group systems. Um, We vet our leaders. What's the difference between those two? Uh, home group is just that they, they meet at the home, whereas a traditional Bible study will more than likely want space at the church. That's usually the main difference. Like our women's ministry kicked off in uh, May and they announced, hey, we have two women's Bible studies that we're going to offer throughout the summer. And here they are. They're going to meet on this day. They're going to be at the church. Well, at the same time, a lot of those women are also in home groups. So those are two different things, but we offer them both at Lakeview. However, if you're going to be in any sort of teaching position at Lakeview, you have to go through membership class, period. That's that is rule number one. You cannot teach or lead a home group if you are not a member of Lakeview Church. That's just how we know if you align with the mission and vision. And then if you're going to head up a particular ministry, usually you're going to go through one of our elders to just kind of say, hey, I'm thinking about this, praying about this. And then we will then discuss that as elders to then say, yeah, that's that sounds great. We'd love to, you know, really release you to lead that ministry. We're finally at the size now with our home groups to be able to pass off the leadership of the home groups to uh some non-elders, which is really cool. This just happened like a week and a half ago for us. So I I met with one of the gals who's taken it over and she is an admin guru, has a background of uh, a big church setting where she did do this type of ministry. So it's really, really cool. She has a lot of great ideas she's bringing to the table. A lot of what you were just talking about, Jeff, is it going to be geographic? Is it going to be age-based? All those things. And I felt so bad because you said you're wrestling with that because it's the stuff that she's wrestling with. So I'm like, man, I hope you can find that person to turn this over to so they can wrestle 
with you yeah. on some of those things. So it's not all on your shoulders. Right. Right now it's me lot, and the right? elders. And, well, yeah. and part of it is because, I mean, we're re- it's a redevelopment church. So I'm actively tasked with changing the, you know, I mean, my job is to change the church culture into something that uh, is more effective and, and making disciples. So that's why, you know, I, I felt like COVID was just like a big pause button on all of that redevelopment stuff. So, you know, we were making good progress. We had groups. I mean, I had, uh, you know, guys in my group telling me this is fine. This is the first time I feel like I'm, I'm an insider. I don't feel like I'm an outcast anymore because I have this group. And so, you know, that stuff was great. But my I, I guess my bigger wrestle is like, how do I help people guard against just being busy for the sake of being busy? You know, because I think people are busy and they they paint it with religious stuff because they go to two Bible studies and they, they, I mean, I've had people tell me that, like, that's a good thing and they don't know any of their neighbors, you know? And I'm like, I, I mean, that's cool. You're going to another Bible study, but like, you're already not obeying the stuff you've learned for 10 years in the other Bible studies you were in. So, you know, that that's what I'm trying to figure out and, and guard against. And I don't know how to actively guard against that as a shepherd without it also, like, I don't want to control people. Because I can't control people, so that that that's my main kind of question is like, how do you decide? You know, like Tim, your home groups are they, do they just run in perpetuity, or do they have on and off ramp? You know, dates like they're going to run for this right. long. It, and it depends on the home group because some will yeah. take a break for the summer and then come back for the fall, whereas ours kind of continue. But we're only a once a month home group. We're we just don't have the availability in our schedules. We've okay, all kind so of you're not with, weekly. Nope, we're once a month, and we love that for our right. family's sake. It's been awesome. Some are every other week, some are weekly though. So it just kind of varies by, uh, by the group. Yeah. And that's the other part of it too, is like in a smaller church, I think the temptation is for the pastor to like micromanage too much where I want to, I have a certain thing I want to see happen church culture wise. And I'm too impatient to actually disciple people into that idea and that culture along with me being part of that discipleship process. So I will, my tendency is to say, hey, you have to do it once a week. This is how it looks. Here's how it goes. Instead of taking two years to read a bunch of books with people and cast them the same vision so that they come to that conclusion themselves. You know, that that's what ta- that's what I'm struggling through right now as a pastor. My church follows um a simple church model and these discussions are really easy to say no to because we have agreed to like the four things we're going to do. So there is no men's group, women's group, Bible studies, things like that. And I will say, I will say this for some of, as I say this, some of you are like, Oh, that sounds great. I'm going to go buy simple church and read it right now. There are a lot of pitfalls when it comes to simple church. What, that, what would be for you against for all of you guys, what would be that? Like when you think of the average engaged church member, what is their like weekly rhythm look like an adult? Sure. Sunday morning service uh, with possibly serving at the other service in some capacity and then uh, some sort of small group uh, during the week. So and that's the entire rhythm. And those small groups are geared to be like a Bible study. Small Based on the sermon good. series, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we make books. We, we there's actually an episode of the podcast where we I interviewed right. my small groups guy, where um we um we make books. They're just que- they have questions based on the based on the text that was preached on on Sunday. And, and your then, small groups are not affinity based, right? No, we have men's groups, we have women's groups, we have couples, and we have coed. We call it coed general groups. 
And so, and the, all that means is that. So that's it's, kind of affinity based, though. It's affinity based based on like gender. Yeah. And and marriage, but that's the extent of it. There's no like, okay. like there's no like, um, when I think of affinity based, I think of like, um, uh, pancake. There, there's a, there's a church here that does something called like pancakes and hot rods or hot dogs and hot rods, where they have like all the guys in the church that have hot rods or cl- classic cars. They mean the church parking lot and they eat hot dogs or something. Like that to me is like an affinity group. Or like like yeah, yeah Delmar sure. doing a Hosea okay. and Harley Davidsons. You know, you read Hosea and then you, you write together. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. You didn't go Hallelujah and Harley's. Come on, <laughs> yeah, man. Hallelujah. Oh. Harley's. No, I was all and, in on the on the muscle cars. <laughs> sure, sure. I think that's more like the affinity groups, or like you know, the church. You know, I, I mean, there's a group of people in our church that that do like um, that make prayer shawls, and they pray over the shawl as they make them, and then we give them to people who like just had a miscarriage or a death in the family oh. stuff like that but that's not really a ministry to church as much as it's like yeah that, and it. there's going to be those like organic things that just happen which is cool yeah yeah one thing you i'm can't. trying to one thing i'm trying to do is um there's a large number of foster parents in our campus and mm-hmm. i've had this like conviction to like care for them and one thing that they've always said is like it's difficult it feels very lonely being a foster parent even though there's Facts. other families and parents in the church foster parents have different needs and as I care for them, I was like, how can I care for them, you know, especially for them because there's such a large number. And one thing we're talking about is there are organizations that will help you do like once a month gatherings for foster yeah. parents so they can just have like a support group. And and I'm looking into hosting that. Then the, but the question I'm asking myself, is that is that cool in the simple church system? And or like, is that going to – will someone say I have to choose between – that support group and or a small group, and I'm hoping if it's once a month, it's not. So these are the type of conversations that I have to have and figure out. But yeah, um, these are, these are good. I, I want to pose this question to the, to everyone that's listening. I want in the Facebook group. We're going to ask a question this week: Is how do you handle and decide between small group classes and Bible studies and things like that? Yeah, and um, and how do you help? Well, and from- I, I'm also interested. I guess the way to say it is like, how do you help people keep space in their life for evangelism? Mm, that's good. Yeah, like. You know what I mean? If I'm if they're like a kid is in sport one night a week, they're going to a school thing one night a week, one night a week. They have youth group and they have another Bible study. Like, when are they knowing their neighbors? Yeah. And and how much responsibility do I have as a pastor to help them like figure that out? That's good. That's good. All right. Well, with that. Uh, I, I'm going to wrap up the show. I, I think it was a good one. We uh, we want to make sure that, you know, that you are invited the Practically Pastoring Conference 2023, February 20th through the 22nd in Tarpon Springs, Florida, Lakeview Church. Lakeview! Newly, reno- newly renovated space. You're going to want to be there. It's going to be fun. These type of conversations and more will be happening all the time there, and we hope you can be there. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Go to our Facebook group where the conversation continues. And with that said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Delmar Pete. I'm Andrew Larson. And I'm Timothy Miller. This is Practically Pastoring. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.